0: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
1: Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. The pandemic has brought about an increase in new or worsening mental health issues for many people. Anxiety, depression, stress, despair, and loneliness have spiked, and experts believe we'll continue to feel the mental health impact of the pandemic for a
2: long time to come. Our guest on this episode, psychiatrist Margaret Chisholm, is a professor at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, and she contends that mental illness need not define people nor consign them to a life on the margins. Dr. Chisholm offers her insights in her new book entitled From Survive, to Thrive, Living Your Best Life with Mental Illness. Dr. Chisholm, we thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, your new book is described as an interactive guidebook for patients and their family members or just about anyone searching for a path toward greater well-being. Why did you decide to write it?
3: Oh, I've been a practicing psychiatrist for over 30 years. And the first question that patients ask me is, you know, what's your approach? What's your theoretical background? Are you a biological psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst? And it takes a while for me to explain that at Hopkins, all the psychiatrists are trained to look at patients from multiple perspectives. We don't use just a single approach, we consider the person in terms of their life story, who they are as a person, in terms of their personality, things that they might be doing. And if they have signs or symptoms of a disease, we would consider them from that perspective as well. And that's a long-winded answer. It's not what people expect. And so I thought it was important to be able to have a resource for patients and family members that explains this relatively unique approach that we have uh, developed here at Johns Hopkins and share it with them and help people that maybe aren't my patients be able to advocate for what they need from their own healthcare professionals.
1: Please talk to us about that approach, the perspective approach, and why it's different from other approaches that doctors have used in the past.
3: It really makes explicit uh, what a lot of psychiatrists used to do implicitly, which was they got to understand their patient from multiple perspectives. The perspectives uses this visual metaphor of looking at a patient from these different perspectives. And the idea is that you're going to try to get an understanding of the origin and nature of a person's problems. Not all psychiatric problems are diseases, unlike the rest of medicine, where pretty much every problem that someone brings to you is because of a broken part in the body. Well, In mental life, it's a little different. Not everything is because of a broken part in the brain. Mental life encompasses our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors, and some of those are the results of things that we've encountered in our life. That's the life story perspective. Some of those are because of really who we are, our personality. That's the dimensional perspective. Some of our problems... Rise because of some things that we're doing, like uh, using drugs or restricting food intake. That's the behavior perspective. And then some things are diseases because of broken parts of the brain. And that's the fourth perspective, the disease perspective. We always get to that one last because we want to consider all the other perspectives first. And these interact with one another. And usually a person's problems are the result of of multiple uh,
2: origins. And then you also say there are four pathways that are associated with well-being in terms of people who are, are struggling with mental health issues. Tell us more about those.
3: Yeah. So we really look at uh, mental health as more than just the absence of disease or mental distress. We really look at mental health as being uh, overall sense of well-being of which mental health is a part But also happiness and life satisfaction is a part, physical health is a part, a meaning and purpose, character and virtue, and close social relationships. So we're trying to not only eliminate or reduce psychiatric symptoms of a disease, for instance, or other sources of distress, but we also want to restore functioning. And we also want someone to feel like they're leading the fullest life possible for them. So we want to restore well-being uh, beyond just eliminating or reducing signs and symptoms of a psychiatric illness. And so in order to flourish and to reach this good and full life, uh, we know that there are four pathways. Um, and this this evidence comes from large epidemiologic data sets where people have been followed 30, 40 years and they report their level of flourishing. And then the statisticians, the epidemiologists look backwards and say, okay, well, what do these people have in common? And they found that there are these four pathways to flourishing. And those pathways are family, work, education, and community. And so, in addition to looking at someone from four perspectives and helping sort out the origin of their psychiatric problems, We also want to look at them from these four pathways and see how we can strengthen those pathways and help them lead the best life possible.
2: We're glad you're part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners, and we're excited to tell you about Lomi, the world's first smart waste appliance. If you've struggled with composting and feel it's too much work or feel bad that you're not doing your part to help the environment, you have to check out Lomi. Lomi is a countertop electric composter
1: and I love it because I don't have a traditional garbage disposal. With Lomi, I don't need to take a lot of trips to the garbage with food waste. I just turn food scraps into dirt with the push of a
2: button. And in just a minute, we'll tell you about a special offer from Lomi for our Nobody Told Me listeners. I love my Lomi because just about anything I'd put in the kitchen disposer can be put into the Lomi on my countertop and turned into dirt in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it's really quiet. Since I got my loamy, I throw out way less garbage. Me too. And you know, I think it's cut down my kitchen
1: garbage by at least a half. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, my loamy turns my food waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants.
2: It is so cool to see. I feel great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of garbage. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt now for my garden, and Lomi is so easy to use. While you may want to get a
1: Lomi for yourself, you may also want to get one for someone on your holiday list. This is a great gift that
2: will help someone year-round. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you.
1: Head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get
2: $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash NTM. And again, that's Lomi spelled L-O-M-I. Use promo code NTM at checkout.
1: Food waste is gross. Lomi is your solution. With the holidays just around the corner, Lomi
2: will make the perfect gift for someone on your shopping list. Just head to Lomi.com NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. I really applaud you for writing the book, not
1: just to help other people and including these things that are clinical in nature, but really for telling your story and making it seem so relatable. That's just not an approach I think we see in books like this all the time. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and why you became interested in, in helping people in this way in the first place?
3: Yeah, sure. One of the reasons I wrote this book was to demystify and destigmatize psychiatric problems. In order to demystify psychiatry, I explain the perspectives of psychiatry, this approach to understanding mental life, and when mental life goes awry. But in order to destigmatize, I really thought it was important to share my own story of my postpartum depression, as well as my brother's suicide, uh, because you know these problems are not unique um, to any one individual. Everybody's been touched by mental illness in some way, whether it's through addiction or eating disorders or experienced problems in their mental life. And I thought it was important to share my own story of my postpartum depression, my brother's suicide, so that people wouldn't feel so alone.
2: How do you define what it means to thrive with mental illness?
3: Well, it's really interesting because, you know, I think people think that somebody with psychiatric illness isn't going to be able to lead a full life. And sometimes people's lives, if they have a severe psychiatric illness like schizophrenia, sometimes their lives don't get back on the track that their life was on before the illness struck. But they can still lead a full life. It might not be the life that they had expected to lead, but it can still be a very meaningful life filled with happiness uh, filled with physical health, a sense of virtue, of character, of meaning and purpose and close social relationships. It's very interesting because there's been some research done with people with schizophrenia, which is one of the most severe uh, psychiatric illnesses. So there's been research done with people with schizophrenia that's shown that even when people still have signs and symptoms, they're still having hallucinations, delusions, they're thought disordered, and they're not able even to function, that a third of these people can still have a meaningful life. They still feel like they have value in the world and are relatively happy. So it's very interesting to me that people with a severe illness like that can still have a, a, a very full life and meaningful life, which opens it up to the rest of us who might be experiencing mental problems that aren't as severe, we can have a full life too. And sometimes because we've had the mental illness, not that I would wish it on anyone, but sometimes we can actually become better people than we were before the illness struck. And you often see that with addiction and people who start doing the work of recovery and self-reflection, and they actually become better people uh, because uh, of their treatment and their they only entered because they were ill. You also can see um, this with people who've had traumatic events happen to them. And in, again, I wouldn't wish a traumatic event on anybody, but it can sometimes make people stronger and more resilient than than they were before this event happened.
1: How can they flourish if they feel like biology is working against them and that they have a family history of addiction or illness or obesity, and they're just expecting for that to happen?
3: Well, I think the important thing to know about psychiatric illness is um, even the most severe psychiatric illnesses are treatable. They might not be totally curable. Not every sign or symptom may disappear. Psychiatric illnesses are extremely treatable uh, compared to other illnesses. So there's always hope that even if you have a psychiatric illness, that you're going to recover. And even if you don't recover fully, that you can Going to be able to lead a full life. I think it's a. I think it's a myth that um, psychiatric illness um, is a death sentence. I used to be very afraid, you know, for my child or my family members that they were going to have, uh, you know, schizophrenia or a severe addiction. I thought it would be the worst thing in the world. But I've come to know and treat so many people with psychiatric illness and seeing them just accomplish so much in their lives. I worked for 10 years at the Center for Addiction and Pregnancy, seeing women in the worst states possible, using heroin for the most part during their pregnancy. Um, And I saw women who were in that state who were able to not only recover from their addiction, but go on to literally become professors at major universities, it's, it, it's astounding to me uh, how resilient people are and how av- with available treatments and accessing available treatments, people can really recover from these illnesses. We're living in a very fortunate time where there are many available treatments for mental illnesses, even the most severe mental illnesses.
2: This episode is sponsored by Ritual, and we want to tell you more about why we're big believers in all of Ritual's products. Let's
1: focus on Ritual's essential protein products for a moment. You know, we all need protein.
2: Protein helps support bone health and so much more. It's not just about muscles. But protein powders can be intimidating to say the least. Plus, as we go through life, our protein needs change, so it's important to choose a mix for different life stages. Ritual's Essential Protein is a delicious plant-based protein powder with three
1: distinct formulas designed to meet your body's changing protein needs during different life stages.
2: There's Daily Shake 18+, Daily Shake 50+, and Daily Shake Pregnancy and Postpartum. And each of these three thoughtful formulas contains 20 grams of pea protein per serving. Ritual's Essential Protein
1: Powder 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 is a good foundation for your health, and it's easy to incorporate into your daily rituals. It sure
2: is. I just add water, shake, and sip. And I love the great taste. It's a delicious handcrafted vanilla formula from sustainably harvested Madagascar vanilla bean extract. I love it too because there's no added sugar or sugar alcohols. It's soy-free, gluten-free, and non-GMO. You may have heard us talk about Rituals products over the years and why we really appreciate that with Rituals' one-of-a-kind, visible supply chain, you know the what, how, and why of every labeled ingredient – you won't find fillers, colorants, or shady additives. Ritual offers a super flexible subscription service with free shipping
1: for subscribers, free easy cancellation, and a money-back guarantee within the trial period.
2: Are you ready to shake up your protein, Ritual? Our Nobody Told Me listeners get 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com
1: ntm. And remember, Ritual even offers a money-back guarantee if you're not
2: 100% in love. Visit Ritual ritual.com slash NTM today for 10% off your first three months. Again, that's
1: ritual.com slash NTM for 10% off your first three months.
2: Are you excited by what is in the pipeline in terms of medications and treatments for mental illness that weren't around when you got into this field?
3: Well, I mean, I always hold out hope uh, that they're going to be More and uh, better medications for patients. Uh, But that is a very long process. I know that we'll continue to make strides in having more medications available, but we already have many treatments uh, that are available. I think the bigger issue right now is access to these treatments because that's, that's always a problem. People having health insurance barriers or other financial barriers to accessing care. So I, I think we I'm optimistic that there will be improved treatments, but we have many treatments now at our fingertips and we just need to access them. I think actually the problem of uh, discrimination against people with mental illness and discrimination against mental illnesses, which denies access to care, is, is a bigger problem than the lack of available medications.
1: I completely agree with that. What do you do if you're somebody who can't afford therapy or medication or is maybe somebody who is afraid of admitting that they have a mental illness?
3: I think what I'll say first is, you know, the first step is acknowledging that uh, you that there's a problem for which you need help. And that's really hard for some people, depending on their background, their cultural background, their family backgrounds. It can be very hard to accept that your mental life is not totally under your control. I think that's the thing that bothers most people about having a psychiatric illness is, you know you want to believe that your mental life is under your control. That's so enmeshed with your sense of self. But unfortunately, mental life can go awry, just like other aspects of uh, physical health and your your well-being can go awry, and sometimes, like I said, that's from a brain process that comes upon you. Sometimes it's because of the events that life has thrown you, and it's hard to deal with these uh, events. So, I there is absolutely no shame in reaching out for help for problems of mental life. This is our emotions, our thoughts, our uh, behaviors. Sometimes don't serve us well. And we have problems with that. And we need to reach out and seek help. There are people who want to help. Accessing care, especially with insurance limitations, can be quite challenging. There are available community-based treatment centers in every county in the United States. Um, sometimes are long waiting lists, and sometimes there are other barriers to care, um, like the the distance that you might have to travel, but there are always resources available. And there are also, I would say, I would highly recommend seeking out pastoral care uh, possibilities. Most areas have pastoral counselors uh, with whom you can meet for either reduced fees or for no uh, cost at all. There are many options. You don't always have to go to a psychiatrist, you don't always have to go to a physician. There are many options for seeking help for your mental health problems.
2: You say that one good choice often leads to another. How does that impact our mental well-being?
3: Well, you know, um, I always say to my patients that it's really important to set goals and that every decision you make, can either lead you closer to your goals or further away from your goals, and so I look at life as a series of mini choices. They're happening all day, every day. You know, whether to eat that apple or the cookie, whether to um, you know take that uh, walk that you were intending to take when you went to bed last night, but in the morning you're kind of snuggling under the covers and don't really want to get out of bed. Um, there are all these choices that we make every day. And whether or not to decide to do one thing or another really depends, I think, on keeping your eye on your goals. So goal setting is incredibly important. The scientific evidence really suggests that it's easier to make multiple behavior changes. So making many changes at one time is easier than making one change and then later making another change. For instance, you know, when people want to stop using drugs, but they're also smoking cigarettes, they would say, oh, yeah, it's too hard to make both changes at once. But actually the evidence suggests that it's easier to stop smoking when you're also stopping drugs because things become associated with one another, right? You smoke when you are drinking or you smoke cigarettes when you're smoking marijuana or things like that. I actually think that making as many changes as you can is better than trying to um, slowly, gradually make these mini changes. So when you set your goals or your sights on something, whether it's quitting smoking or reducing your alcohol intake or watching your calories, it's better to just say, look, I'm going to change directions in my life and I'm going to make these changes and commit to making these changes.
1: Let's say that we have a friend who we know is working through something like that. They're trying to give up eating chocolate or drinking too much. How can we help them flourish?
3: When you're trying to make changes in your life, behavior changes like uh eating less chocolate or drinking less or stopping smoking, it's really important to have supports. And this is why AA has been so successful in NA. It's because you're accountable to somebody else. You're you're going to be coming into a meeting and people are going to be asking you how you've done in terms of your alcohol or drug use. And having that kind of accountability, having somebody who's going to dependably ask and check in uh, on your commitment to your behavior change is really important. And it's the same with eating and other behaviors. I mean, that's why Weight Watchers is so successful, right? You're accountable. You're coming in, you're being weighed, and you know somebody's going to be watching over your shoulder. So I think actually when you want to make a behavior change, actually stating that to friends or a support group is really important because it's a way of holding you accountable. And I think friends can do that for one another. When there's somebody who is depending on you um, to follow through with some commitment that you've made, it helps you stick to that commitment.
2: What kind of an impact has the pandemic had in your view on the mental health issues in this country?
3: Well, I think it's slowly becoming clear that the pandemic has had a massive effect on the mental health of people in our country, as well as around the world. I was just reading today that the life expectancy of people with severe mental illness has actually been impacted by uh, COVID. We know that people that have severe mental illness, on average, they live 15 to 25 years less than uh, people without a mental illness. And we're also seeing the people with severe mental illness are more likely to die of COVID. So that's on the severe mental illness and with direct impact of the pandemic on health. But we also are seeing more people coming to emergency rooms. We're seeing among certain subgroups of people, more suicide attempts. Humans are social creatures and we've really been socially isolated. And one of the pathways to flourishing is connection with Family or connection with community. And when people are cut off from their community, cut off from their family, or even cut off from their work community, which is another pathway to flourishing, or their education community, this is going to have an impact on their social relationships, their happiness, their life satisfaction, their physical health, and their mental health.
1: What can they do if? their job is now going to be permanently remote and their friends and family moved somewhere else during the pandemic
3: it takes work to maintain and sustain relationships and when those are severed because of this social distancing you have to again put in energy to developing other sources of relationships so this may mean connecting with a community that you might have lost touch with um, or a hobby that has a community associated with it. Uh, For instance, you know, fly fishing, (laughs) connecting with a community of uh, fisher people, um, connecting with an artistic community, connecting with a faith community. This is all going to be important because if without the built in social contacts that you have through work. um, you, You have to put in effort to create other opportunities for social contact. It takes effort.
2: In addition to community and education and work and family, what role do things like exercise and sleep play in helping us thrive in terms of mental health?
3: That's an excellent question. I mean, I often say to my patients, there are, are very few things that you can do to prevent psychiatric diseases uh, from occurring or worsening. Uh, but one of the few things you can do is have daily, especially daily morning exercise has been uh, shown to be protective against mental illness, as well as helpful for uh improving your prognosis after you have mental illness. So daily morning exercise, getting a good night's sleep, not using drugs or alcohol. These are some of the very few things that we can do to help promote our own uh, mental health.
1: At the end of each show, we like to ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So What did nobody tell you about how to go from surviving to thriving that you would like to pass along to our audience?
3: Yeah, so nobody ever told me that psychiatric illness is like any other illness. This is one of the things, you know, I grew up thinking that psychiatric illness and people with psychiatric illness were somehow different from other illnesses, that the people were different from people that had physical illnesses. Nobody ever told me when I was young that psychiatric illness is just the same as any other illness and that people with psychiatric illness are just the same as everyone else, just the same as you, just the same as I. Um, It was a real wake-up call when I had my first episode of depression because I just didn't think that that was going to happen to me. I think a lot of people think that it's an us or them. You know, I'm someone who's mentally healthy, and I'm not vulnerable to that until it, and hit, it hits. I often see people who are in the medical profession, medical students who think, oh, this is never going to happen to me. Um, but, you know, many, many of us, have experienced uh, mental health challenges. And even if you never have a, a severe episode of depression or a severe illness like schizophrenia, or you never have uh, opioid addiction, all of us have losses in our lives that we have to process and deal with. Random acts of tragedy happen every day. And all of us have problematic interpersonal relationships from time to time. All of those can be hard to deal with, and there's no shame in reaching out for help and dealing with them. I think our goal is to live the best life possible.
2: How can people connect with you on social media and the internet?
3: Well, I'm on Twitter at whole, W-H-O-L-E underscore patients. I'm also on Instagram there. In addition to at whole patients, at whole underscore patients on Twitter and Instagram, I also have a website, margaretchismmd.com.
2: All right, great. And Chisholm is spelled C-H-I-S-O-L-M. Correct. Again, our thanks to Dr. Margaret Chisholm, whose new book is called From Survive, to thrive, living your best life with mental illness. And again, her website is margaretchismmd.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.